Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford FC. My name is Matthew Messiano, and joining me once again are football journalist Tom Burrell and football analyst Jordan Weimer. Guys, well, Watford played last night away against Preston, and we thought it might be a tricky one, and so it proved, but the Hornets managed to grind out the win with a Jao Pedro penalty. Jordan, we've uh, we've seen a few times this season, particularly away, that Watford have picked up the win, 1-0 or 2-0 here and there, but they've never really looked like they've they've got out of second gear, and sometimes the performances haven't been that great, but how did yesterday compared to those games previously well I think we could you could say there are some similar issues in the sense we didn't quite get into our you know full momentum and we maybe weren't quite as good as we were against Bristol of course but I think I think the main difference is the approach of the game was still was still changed it was more similar to that Bristol game that we we kept the ball on the floor and we looked to play out from the back and, and play that ball through midfield we didn't get sucked into going direct and and trying to find a way to to, to get at Preston with without kind of sticking to the plan which we've we've seen so often in them away games we kind of default to that direct football especially under Shishko and we we can't really break the opposition down but I thought yesterday we, we did a good job of trusting the process and trying to trying to get a result through playing the football that we're trying to adapt into playing um, it just didn't quite come off as smoothly as we maybe would have liked but as you say, ultimately we got the win. I think once we were ahead, I think our defence was very solid and not just the back four, but the, the team as a whole off the ball, I thought were very good. And I think it was just promising that we. it shows you can go away and you can still play a defensive style of football in a sense, um, but but look to be positive when you have the ball and uh, try and be a little bit more a little bit more progressive with the ball in midfield. And I think it's just a better showing. Um, while it wasn't quite as effective, I think it's a, a sign of us kind of moving in the right direction. I think that in the future, those away games will become a little bit more comfortable for us once we once we get used to uh, playing at that like that different tempo and uh, a little bit of a different approach on the ball too. Tom, what was your take on the game? Yeah, I think it was a good performance and obviously an extra result. And I think the very fact that Nathaniel Chalabard said or tweeted afterwards, you know, that that was more satisfying then the demolition of Bristol City said a lot because, you know, it's, it's always quite 
difficult, isn't it? After a result like that, it's a bit off the Lord Mayor's show and, and anything's going to kind of feel like a come down. But, you know, they're in such a miserable run of form and for all the reasons we discussed uh, at the weekend, the, you know, the game was won and, and, dust, and done and dusted after about half an hour, wasn't it? This was a, a much more competitive game. Preston were an entirely different proposition that I felt like... I saw someone else tweet this. I'm not sure who it was, but I felt like they they kind of showed us a lot of deference and a lot of respect in terms of their ambitions were quite limited. Um, and and it was kind of it was you know over to you break us down kind of thing. And and in in previous weeks we have really struggled in games like that. You know the 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 nil nil against Coventry, the nil nil against Millwall, the defeat against QPR. You know those were all pretty pretty wretched performances. But actually, I thought we played fairly well over 90 minutes and as Jordan said I think summed it up quite nicely sort of trusted the process and, and really stuck to the game plan and what we're we're evidently trying to do on the basis of these last two games so to to say all that and that they probably only had one really clear-cut opportunity which was obviously that that Ched Evans one that he sort of lobbed over in the first half um it's, it's you know it's job done and, and and move on to Derby County on Friday night yeah, that's right. That Ched Evans chance could have changed the the game actually. Really, if had he had he taken it. And I'm just wondering, Jordan, with the uh, the change in the formation, um, and the defence has been so good playing, um, you know, in whatever formation has been presented to them. To be honest, but um, how how is the defence changing within this uh, new formation that that, that that Cisco wants to play? Well, I think that I mean the back four can be. Can still be relatively comfortable. Um, they they can play in that in that solid four, and they can work in a similar fashion to the, as as they were in the four four two. I think you could argue there's a little bit more defensive support in in the sense that you can you can be a little bit more you can have a little bit more variation in how your midfielders work together. Um, I think that that change to the midfield three allows Tom Cleverley a little bit more license to press um, without having to be so tied to that central position. Obviously, if you're in that central midfield too, you've got a bit more responsibility of keeping shape. Um, but having that that third that third midfielder and Tom Cleverley can get around the pitch, he can press in some different areas. So you could it could alleviate some pressure that you'd maybe be under. Um, I think if you're in the 4-4-2, it's quite natural. You're going to be quite reserved off the ball you can't really put get pulled out of position so they maybe will have pressure in a few different areas maybe a little bit more out wide um but i think as a, on, a, on the whole i think that back four can kind of operate in a very similar fashion um i think last night was a little bit of a different different challenge for for the back four i thought chad evans did a decent job of playing on that shoulder and kind of he kind of had the beating of Serialta for the first 20 minutes or so it felt like he um had a little bit, took a little bit of time to adapt. But I think once mm. Syriata kind of got used to to what Chad Evans was doing, he maybe kind of bottled him up quite nicely after that. Um, but that was the real kind of danger for for Preston for sure. Um, if he wasn't, perhaps he wasn't pressured quite as quickly as he was when he had that chance, he might have finished that that, that opportunity he had early on. Um, but no, I think the back four. Look, they can they can play at a similar level and they, they've been very dominant in a lot of games. I think Kiko and and Masson like to get forward, uh, but they're both athletic and they're both good at getting back into position. And that midfield cover helps very well, helps a lot. Um, and I also think too that the, the stability and goalkeeper as well behind them has made them feel quite comfortable. And they they look like to me they're playing as a as a unit, which you'd like to see. Um, I think the whole team in general defensively look very good. So I think when you're talking about the the change in formation, for me personally, I'd say that the real shift defensively if there's any improvements is that as a team off the ball we look very very good we we move together and we seem to have a good understanding of what's required of them 
Yeah, Daniel Batman's really playing well at the minute, isn't he? Despite not having too much to do in that game against Preston. But since he's come in, he's looked pretty reliable. A safe pair of hands, it's the old adage. But, uh, you know, he's certainly you know, doing what he needs to do. And actually, I saw some stats earlier that, that suggested that, um, you know, based on the games he's played so far, he's, you know, up there with with uh, with the best in the championship and on form at the minute. Yeah, and goalkeeper stats are a little bit difficult, aren't they? Because if you're looking at clean sheets and stuff, there's so many things that go into that outside just the goalkeeping position. But mm. I, I do think he's created that. I think it's very, I mean, if you're, if you're a back four, if you're, a, or, a, you know, any, any team in, in, as a whole, if you feel a little bit uncomfortable with your goalkeeper, that can change the, the way you play things in, in, in general. It can stop you making that back pass. It can stop you it can stop you listening to your keeper as he comes to claim across and maybe you go and head it yourself. But if you have that confidence in your goalkeeper and, and that's not easy to get from your backup, but I think there's a there's a level of trust um in Daniel Backman from from the coaching and from from the players on the pitch too, which he, he seems to be putting in mature performances for a player that's not had not had too many minutes considering the age he's at. Um, and I think I think there's a, a good level of confidence there. And I think he's done nothing to show that he's struggling. He looks like he's handling it all very well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been all all good so far. Um, he's maybe not been forced. He's maybe not been forced to make some of the athletic saves that Foster has, ha- has had to do um, at other points in the season. And partly that's down to how well the, the team's been playing defensively. But I, I think he's just he does the simple things well and he, you don't have to notice him overly. And, that, and that's a good thing for a goalkeeper. Yeah. In the uh, the Hornets Hive Live, um, a couple of games ago now, they had a sort of goalkeeper's reunion on, didn't they? They had Alec Chamberlain, uh, Ben Foster was in the studio. They got Hilario Gomez to, to dial in. Uh, and they were all asked the question, actually, um, you know, what, what do you think of, um, you know, playing out from the back? And I think unanimously they were, they were all sort of like, uh, I want to kick it as far away as possible. But it feels to me as though Daniel Backman is maybe of the newer, the newer breed, the newer generation that um, is comfortable playing it out from the back. Tom? Yeah, definitely. And you know what? I'm glad you've raised that point, Matt, because I actually thought that was really uh, evident yesterday. Obviously, a couple of passes went askew, but I thought broadly his ability to, and we, we've said this from the, the kind of the outset, he's you know, a bit more of a sweeper keeper than Foster is. But even when he gets on the ball, he, he regularly seems to sort of look to clip one out to the fullbacks rather than, than just sort of arrowing it down the field. And I thought yesterday... That was that was really noticeable on a few occasions. It's just another facet to his game that's been, you know, really impressive from the word go. I think the, the there's going to come a blip, and there's probably going to, you know, because they just there will because he's not played that much football and he is a goalkeeper. They all have them, but you know, for the moment, and and the the, the thing I was going to say, sorry to add to that, is uh, it, it will be interesting to see how he comes through that and how kind of jittery people, the the defenders in front of him become at that point but mm. you know so far he he really hasn't put a foot wrong has he i'm not terribly motivated to put foster back in when he becomes available at the minute um it's i know ben foster's goal. obviously it is and i i think it'd be extremely harsh if things continue as they are i think it'd be extremely harsh to uh to drop back but i know i know foster's a more experienced goalkeeper he's obviously been our number one for a, for a couple of seasons now and you, you expect him to come back in but look, i think i think backman's been waiting for an opportunity he's been around the club long enough and hoping something like this happens mm. and he's now had the opportunity i think it'd be very unfair um to to take him out of the team um it, it's a difficult decision if he comes back in and is taken out i think it'd be very he'd be very harshly done by what, what do you think the fan response will be if if, uh, if backman does retain his place i think the fans for the most part from my understanding i think everyone kind of feels that way i think 
it, part that plays into it is that Foster's at an age too where you know you're going to have to start looking for a replacement soon um, to maybe disgruntle the potential replacement that we have currently at the club we feel quite good about by dropping him and, and not allowing him to play. I mean, look, there's a good chance Ben Foster's able to play another year. So if, if you said to Daniel Backman, look, you know, you're coming out of the team and perhaps you get another opportunity and, and he knows that Foster's going to be around for another year, he might have to look somewhere else in the summer himself and it would be kind of disappointing to, to lose uh, a player that we feel quite good about um, because you know you've got a, a veteran that's going to be starting games ahead of him. So I think if you're going to have both of them around, then it has to be really has to be based on merit who's playing. It can't be based on past history. It has to be based on the current situation. I think based on that now, I think it'd be very difficult to bring them out of the team. So I think I think most fans would probably feel a similar way. At the same time, though, Foster's probably in a situation where, with his YouTube channel, he's never had a bigger following. He's never had more fans in his life than he's got now, Tom. Yeah, it's, tr- it's really tricky, isn't it? And it's it's funny that the uh, we, we've kind of ended up in this situation, isn't it, where the, the number one is the kind of the star of the team almost, but maybe more than Troy Deeney because of his, his sort of social media following. And yet he's not actually playing at the moment. I, I've always had the impression with Ben Foster and from sort of things you've read and things you hear and what have you that he's a footballer, you know, he, he loves football, but I don't think it's his all-consuming passion in, in the way it might be with some others. We know that he's obviously, you know, bang into his cycling. He evidently loves his food and his cooking and And so tomato on. ketchup, so, don't forget the tomato and ketchup. And tomato ketchup, that's it, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I... He, do you know what? It's one of those where I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it got to the end of the season and the club said, you know, we want to go in this direction with Dan Backman. We think he's earned his stripes. You've got Pontus Darberg, obviously, who they, they think quite highly of as well. And, and, and he said, OK, fine. Do you know what? I just I like it here. I like this lot. I'll, I'll take my chances rather than pushing for a move elsewhere. Equally, you know, and it's it's fully it's entirely dependent on what the club's plan is and what how they've kind of sold it to those guys. You know, they might say no, we're going to get one more year out of Ben Foster, and then you might end up with a situation a bit like Arsenal had last year, where Emmy Martinez came in and did so well that they thought, well, actually, we've probably got two kind of first choice caliber keepers here. We don't need that. We might sell one of them, as Jordan sort of touched on as well. So it's going to be a really you know, I think for the rest of this season, I always have no issue with uh, with Daniel Batman holding onto the shirt because he's he's done nothing to deserve being dropped. Nor Ben Foster. It's just you know circumstances and, and misfortune. But assuming Foster intends to play on for another year, and I think he's contracted to do so, isn't he? It's it's going to be really interesting what happens next season. Absolutely. Um, we've had a chance now to see uh, the Sar Sema Pedro spearhead a couple of times. Um, uh, obviously, it produced a 6-0, and then in this recent game, it produced a 1-0. What's your, what's your feeling? How is it working for you? Are, you? are you liking it? I'm quite pleased with the front three. I think they're looking pretty good. Um, I really like the fact they can interchange position. They can they can move around. It's not going to hurt the, the momentum of the team. and It gives you that other, other avenues of attack. I think it's a, it's a nice balance. I like the fact that we have the option of Zinkenagel there too. You could fit in pretty seamlessly into into two of those positions. I think uh, I think Joao Pedro has done very well leading the line. 
Um, I think as we're, we're discussing off air a little bit. I think he's he's done really well holding the ball up, and in a sense that he can be he can be an option through the centre, and he, he can get the ball to him. He, he's not traditional in the way he holds the ball up. I'm not expecting him to to get his back into defenders and shield the ball, but he's he's very clever on the ball, and he he finds space, and you can give it to him in, in tight situations, and he's able to to link the play up nicely. I think he he looks comfortable dropping into some deeper positions, but on the other hand, he also looks quite sharp in the box. Um, thought yesterday it was interesting. We we tried something a little bit different um, with Ishmael Asar. Um, I, I mentioned it during the game, but um, on quite a few occasions, we were looking to to get Ishmael Asar very central and then get quite tight alongside uh, Jao Pedro with Kiko Femenia offering you that whip, that whip from the side. Um, it kind of forced Preston's defence into to shifting inside quite narrow themselves. Naturally, the fullback was quite aware of where Saar was playing and wanted to be quite tight to him. They obviously know that he's a danger man. So once he drifts inside, I think he's, there's a tendency for the fullback to come in quite tight on Saar. And that left a lot of space out wide for Kiko. And it, we had a lot of joy down that right-hand side. And um, we saw Will Hughes or, or Tom Cleverley um, dropping in just behind and filling that space where Kiko was to provide a little bit insu- of insurance. Um, and it works quite well. I think that's just something to uh, keep an eye on. We might see that again. Um, it's quite an interesting way of looking to kind of create some space and, and give us some opportunities to get the ball in the box, use the most, uh, get the most out of Kiko and uh, allow Saar to play in some more central areas too because we've seen that he's capable of doing that. Um, that was quite a promising sign for me too because I think maybe one of the criticisms we've had of uh, Shishko is that he's not maybe, we've maybe not seen too much from him tactically throughout games to suggest that he's, He's put, having too much input on on the system, which is maybe a bit harsh, but obviously they're just things we're looking for uh, throughout the ninety minutes. And I thought yesterday seeing that little switch there was just you know a good little indication that there are there are aspects of a game that are being considered and being worked on and trying to find ways of breaking down the opposition, especially uh, away from home. So as a collective, I think that front three has been pretty good, and I kind of expect that to keep improving. Tom, are you enjoying the the, the dynamism between Sal Semmer and Pedro uh, that, that both that front three for us? Yeah, I really am. Uh, I was just looking out while Jordan was answering there to see how many times they'd started together. Actually, kind of more than you thought, but a lot of those appearances when we were playing kind of 3-5-2 with Sema operating as the wing-back and Saar and Pedro as that uh, kind of front two, more agile, more mobile front two than we've been used to be to seeing. And, and, and that's the thing with them, isn't it? I think they're just... They are so different uh, as a collective to, to Troy Deeney and Andre Gray, and that's not to diminish their work and their qualities. I think, you know, we've we've rightly kind of praised Troy Deeney in particular this season when he's played well, but it's, you know, very clear that his playing well is different to theirs in, in terms of what he actually does and where he operates. So the the three of those up front is 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 exciting and, and they're you know, they're they're good ages and you hopefully if we can uh, keep them around and potentially get promoted as well, then th- there's a really good kind of core of attacking players there to 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 build with going forward. The thing that's most pleasing is that the the players supplying them are you know treating them differently. They're not just trying to go long. They are kind of aware of their different skill sets and the the sort of the build-up play as a result is entirely different and that's been that's been really really encouraging you would hope that that will be the legacy of this that is key though isn't it it's that it's it's the 
it's the players getting the ball to them as well. It's it's not just that front three, it's how they're being fed. And yeah. I think that was, you have to think too, if you're looking back at when, as you mentioned there, Tom, Sar and Pedro made a front two and they struggled a little bit. They struggled to get a connection. They struggled to to really get involved. And I know they they scored a few goals in there, but it, was, it wasn't quite as, wasn't quite as productive as either hoped. But you do feel that if you had, if they had the service of a, of a midfield like we're getting now, uh, with the likes of Will Hughes in there, able to look forward and, and Tom Cleverley's kind of been a little bit more active in those forward areas you would feel a little bit better about them so you know the, the reflection from those them early games is maybe they were put in a difficult situation that made things a lot harder but right now everyone seems comfortable in their positions and they seem to be working well together and we look a threat which I think for much of the season we've not really felt like our forward line has, has been that threat um, felt like a lot of our, our, our goal threat came from other areas and, and and now it seems to be functioning at a much better level so I, I think as time goes on and we kind of get that that connection between that midfield and attack and it, and it improves and you'd, you'd hope that we can kind of keep pushing in the right direction with that Joe Pedro got himself a goal it was another penalty uh, I think he's got a couple of those now and every time he steps up to take one um, I'm always feeling I don't know I like not as confident I think as when as when Dini steps up to take it and and when he strikes I also think oh it's not it's not how we how we how we know it with Dini sort of putting his his laces through it but um, I mean to be fair to the lad you know he scored the goal um, it didn't look like being saved the keeper did go the right way but he was never going to get to it it's just a different style but um, you know it's not necessarily a worse style it's just um, you know a different a different way of striking the ball. It must be tricky, mustn't it, when you've got such an established penalty taker to have to be the one, you know, to step up in that situation and take it. But I thought it was a, a pretty good penalty. They said on the, the Hive Live commentary, Tommy Mooney wasn't sure that it was quite in the corner. But I mean, from obviously got a different view to us, but from where we were sitting, I was sitting, I thought it was nicely in the corner. Although Everson got, got down to it and was close, it, you know, I, I never felt like we'd gotten away with one there. So... It's it's probably no bad thing to have someone with a different style and and have something sort of slightly different in our locker, is it? Because as we've discussed before with Troy, you know what to expect, and it does feel like there's it's inevitable at some stage someone is just going to stand up and it will be they have to take one in the face. They will stop it. And even though even though the goalkeepers will prepare for you know all of the options that Watford have, they'll probably be mostly focusing on on Dini because he's the guy that's most likely to take the penalty if he's on the pitch. Um, so maybe that maybe that comes into it a little bit. So when Joe Pedro steps up, they're like, okay, I've got to completely forget about everything that I thought for Troy and just, you know, try and work on what I think Joe might do. You know, maybe um, you know, gives Joe maybe that little bit extra that um that, that he might 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 not have had against a, a goalkeeper that had been fully preparing for just him. Definitely. I also don't think he looked like he feels the pressure that much. He seems pretty relaxed and focused on on the task at hand. He puts it away quite comfortably. He seems quite a relaxed guy. Um I don't know. There's something about there's something about South American penalty takers to me where it just doesn't seem like the the big deal that it is to us um, when when they step up. They always look very relaxed. Likes of Pereira as well. He's taken penalties. It never seems to really phase them. Um, and he yeah he put it away comfortably. And I think Dini's is very. We're all very aware of what Dini's role is when it comes to taking penalties and how he likes to strike them. And it's something that's difficult to deal with. But I think Pedro just kind of he gives you that that bit of confidence that even though he's not going to be kind of going for that straight in the middle smash, he's going to he's going to place the ball and he's going to look to try and, and hit one of those corners and he's done well at that so far. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident when he's on the pitch and if we get another penalty and, and Troy's not on there, then he seems the obvious choice. 
Okay, then good stuff. Um, let's move on to some listeners' questions now because we've had a few in. The first one comes from at Lou Orns, and uh, he wants to know who do you feel suits the midfield three better, Chalibur or Gosling? Uh, and then he goes on to say that he's been a bit critical of Chalibur in the past, especially his his, his passing and, and lack of awareness in in Lou Orns' opinion. Uh, and he's interested to know if he's if he if he's if he's being harsh or or expecting too much, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all had our concerns of Chalibur um, over the course of the season. He's, he's perhaps looked a bit better of, of, in recent weeks. I thought there were, there were periods last night where he struggled struggled a little bit more on the ball than what we've seen uh, for a while. But look, I think I think they both offer something different. Um, you, you could make an argument for it, it depending on the opposition. I think Chalibur, Chalibur, for me, if you want to play him in the midfield three or two, it needs to be in a situation where you, you require that defensive midfielder, that screen in front of your back four. Um, and that in recent games or, or games across the season or ones that still you know remain to be played, I feel like we don't necessarily need that out-and-out defensive midfielder. Um, it's not necessarily going to be a requirement. But if you feel like it is, perhaps you're playing one of the top teams, you want to have that extra bit of security, then you could you could see Chaba being put in there and you'd feel a little bit better. Um, but Gosling is a bit more... He's more of a well-rounded player. He covers the pitch nicely, and he's he's a bit more comfortable in his in his passing and his distribution's better. So if you're functioning as an attacking team that's going to have that build up through midfield, you're looking to play forward. You want to get the ball into your midfielders. Then you know the more technicians you have in there, the better. So he does not like he doesn't offer anything defensively either. He's got that kind of harrowing capability that that uh, Tom Cleverley possesses. So for me, I probably expect. I'd probably feel more comfortable with Gosling in there, um, but I think it might just be a situation of playing based on who on form, and if you're really thinking about it, then playing based on the opponent. That's what I'd like to see myself personally. Um, but if I had to make a decision, I'd probably say I, I'd go with Gosling. Tom, would you agree with that? I think I would. Yeah, and as as Jordan says, I I, I can't feel bad saying that because Chalabar has definitely been better, but I'm I'm still not a hundred percent sure what kind of midfielder he is, what kind of role he's trying to fulfil. I like the three at the moment because of, of how it frees up cleverly uh, to, you know, to just use that that boundless energy that we've talked about before. Hughes sort of sitting deep and trying to control things from there is great. But Chalabar, it just feels like sort of bolted on by default and in the kind of half uh, against uh, Bristol City, Dan Gosling was excellent. And I thought he came on yesterday and, and looked good as well and just brought something different. So, yeah, I, 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 I hate piling on players, but I, I would probably give Gosling a little go now and I would be surprised, actually, if uh, if Chisco didn't give him a little run in the starting eleven. But then if, if we're looking at the actual, you know, the actual question of who suits the midfield three better, I think I think what we said covers that. But at the same time, I think if I had to feel more comfortable with one playing in midfield two... I'd say Gosling because he's more, he's more well-rounded. So the midfield three maybe gives you the ability to kind of to cover some of the deficiencies that we've seen in Chaba on on the ball. If you have two other players that can be the ones looking to play forwards, maybe that kind of gives you a little bit more room to accommodate him in that defensive role. Um, but I think just based on the way that we are trying to we are trying to play from midfield, I think the more options you have, the better. And um, because we've worked so well defensively as a unit. I think we maybe don't have to rely on that 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 defensive player in that midfield because to, Chaba has been he has been very good defensively. He's he's won a lot of his duels. Mm. He's he's right at the top end and all those all those statistics across the league. He's he's done very well. But it's really about how much do you need that. Um, 
if I had to kind of make a comparison, it would be, for me, it feels like a situation of having a really good, solid defensive right back when you're in the team, you actually want to have someone that can get up the pitch and be a bit more expansive. He's done very well, but it's not necessarily what you need at that moment. I kind of feel like that that's where we are with Chalibur at times. Although he's done well in those situations, how 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 necessary is it to include that stellar player in the team right now? He must be pretty highly rated, though, because I mean, at one stage he he was potentially going to Leicester City, or you know, challenging for the for the Premier League title. So, I mean, Brendan Rodgers must you know must rate him. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously got a good you know they've got a past relationship, and maybe feels he can get something a little bit more out of him. But if you're looking at him, if you really look at him based on current situation where this season, then there are some there are some deficiencies to his game, and like, I want Chalaba to do well. I genuinely do, um, but there are some issues. And I think if, had he gone to Leicester, I think they still would have been exposed. Um, but you know, he's he's not that he's a bad player, but we we're asking certain things of him which he maybe maybe is not able to achieve right now. Um, I do think he's been better on the ball. I do think he has been able to get forward and look a little bit like he's got a little bit more freedom. Um, but I think Gosling has, has has got a good range of passing. He's kind of got that experience in, in playing in multiple systems. I think he'd suit this one quite well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I think it feels like we've harped on, on, on Chabra in a negative way a lot this season. I want to be able to, to speak on when things are going well for him. And I think we have done that as well, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a tough call. And it's, it's one that doesn't feel like it's a, it's a real solid fit at the moment for me. What were you going to say there, Matt? Well, I was just going to say, he's certainly been a better player in the championship than he was in the Premier League for us, I think. And, you know, I think at least he's, he's proved to to himself and, and, and to the Watford fans that he does deserve a place in the team. Whereas previously, I think, you know, he was on his last kind of, I don't know, attempts really, wasn't he? I, I imagine if Watford stayed up, that he might have not got um, as much of a look in this season. Well, I think it would have struggled, but I think, I mean... It's post it's post knee injury, isn't it? Um, the the performance I always always go to when it comes to his second spell with us was Bournemouth away. He was very he looked very he was very close to what we saw when he was in, in that first loan spell where he was up and down the pitch. He was you know taking he was getting to the corners. He was he was picking up the ball. He was looking for passes. He he's never been massively expansive with his passing, but he was he always had a, an air of confidence about it. And he'd play short passes, but in more advanced positions, he'd look forward a little bit a little bit more often. I think now he's just kind of regressed and he's he's been playing within himself a bit too much and he's been questioning and taking a little bit too much time. And I think as the season's gone on, he's started to open up a little bit more and maybe feel a little bit more comfortable. So there's an argument to to playing playing him through this this issue, but it, it's a case of how how much can you do it and, and how how much can you justify doing so. Um, but he has he he's earned he's earned some some credit, if for lack of a better term, in, in how he has played. But it just it's all a question of how how does he fit what we're trying to do. Okay, good stuff. Uh, one player that we'd probably really love to have back right now would be Tom Deli Bashir, and uh, Tom Deli the Goat has got in touch on Twitter at WFC Josh to uh, to ask his question. He says, "How critical do you think Backman is for this team, and how good do you think his distribution is?" We kind of covered it a little bit earlier, but let's go into it again. Um, he says, "I think his passing is great, and the way we are playing uh, is essential for passing out from the back." Um, um, yeah, Tom, uh, do you want to go into this one again? Yeah, sure. I, I I agree, and I think probably not a coincidence that this style of play has worked quite nicely with him in the team because he has got that passing range and and that comfort 
doing it. I think that I remember when Ben Foster first signed, and one of the, f- the first things AD Boothroyd said about him all those years ago was, "He's got a great kick." What he meant by that was he can thump it a long way. He didn't actually mean that he's a good passer. And obviously, football and the demands placed upon goalkeepers have changed a lot. Then and I think Daniel Backman is a great, you know, the contrast between the two is a great kind of representation of that. Uh, I, I'm not saying that Ben Foster can't do it, but it's, it's evidently something that Daniel Batman's much more comfortable doing. I'll try and remember to tweet after this podcast goes out to, tonight, or no pressure, Matt, tomorrow, um, <laughs> the, the pass map for Backman versus Daniel Iverson of Pre- or Iverson of Preston last night. And you can see the contrast in what they're trying to do. And I just think it just, it suits us really nicely. So, I'm, I've been impressed uh, with that aspect of Batman's game more than anything else, I, just, I would say. Okay, thanks for that, Tom. Um, another question in from Jeremy Keats. Uh, the midfield dynamic and Chalibur or Hughes uh, as holding midfielder in the three. Uh, to score goals, we need our best players further up the field. Hughes is often taking the ball from defenders. When the play advances, uh, I'm not sure if Hughes remains or swaps with Chalaba. So I think it's trying to say like who, what's the, what's the role of the players once we have the ball and once we've taken it kind of from that defence and, and how we move forward. So look, Ch- Will Hughes is able to play that deeper role because he's he's good defensively. He can cover, but he's also a good start. He's a good player to start the attack. He, you can pass the ball off to him from centre back or full back or goalkeeper even, and he's comfortable at taking that ball, turning and looking forward. You know, it might be a little bit of interplay with the other midfielders, which we saw more of um, in the recent games. I think that's something that we really struggled with previously was having that that interplay between those midfielders. But um, yeah, Hughes can transition that ball. He can carry it forward or he can look forward with the pass. So I think that just comes back to him. Being in the well-rounded player, um, Chalaba kind of plays that supplementary role. He's not going to be the first one you look for. Look, look for when it comes to playing out from the back. It will definitely be Will Hughes, and then Chalaba can be there to you know get up and down with him, provide a passing option, uh, and be that screen in front of the back four if Hughes is to advance a bit further forward. All right, um, Andrew Reynolds has got in touch, and he's kind of um, asked us a question that we've covered as well. But um, I'll ask it again. We, but he says uh, some fans are questioning the difference between yesterday's performance. Uh, and those we saw pre-Bristol, so basically it's another 1-0 win via penalty, but the performance felt different, and um, I, I'd agree. It does. It, it, he sort of says, does it, uh, does it feel like a shift to a more sustainable way of achieving results? And uh, I'll give this one to you, Tom. I think it does, yeah, because you can, you can actually see what the plan is now, which is a very simple sort of answer to give, but I, I, I think it's it's no more complicated than that prior to that it just all seemed very stodgy very stunted very broken and and and, you know there was no real identity to this team there's a clear identity to this team now we can't get too excited obviously we can't get carried away it's it's two games but yeah it, it definitely feels more sustainable for me it has to be doesn't it yeah i mean there are periods of the season early on where I could have, you know, I'd rather have seen us not pick up points and just see the, the development of a, of a plan on the on the field and on the pitch and feel better about our chances because you know you're working towards something. I think too many times we've kind of felt that it was an improvised kind of, you know, approach that wasn't really leading anywhere. It was all just based on these isolated 90-minute spells. You're not really quite sure what you're going to get. Maybe you grind out a result, but you don't end up feeling any better because you don't feel like you're closer to achieving that consistent performance over the course of 90 minutes. So I'd much rather see us go there with a, with a plan and a bit of an identity. 
try and work out a way of playing and how we're going to you know approach the rest of the season. I think last night, as you're saying, it's a it's a one nil penalty, which is not an abnormal result for us. But it's it's the fact that we continue to try and keep pushing with our with our style of play, and it, it's promising because there are there will be games we get more comfortable with this and varying opposition and you know varying levels of performance from the players which you're naturally going to get and we could easily be going to away games now and picking up three points in, in more more convincing manners we might be winning two three nil if, if you get the right things going and, and we're on the way to that which is something we weren't really able to say when we were watching those previous games okay we've got two questions in one here uh one from cucho colombia and one from Charlie Babington. Uh, Cucho says, would you mind if we took Chalabra out of the team, moved Cleverly back a bit and played Philip Zinkenagel in Cleverly's current position? And Charlie Babington says, where do you see Philip Zinkenagel fitting in? So they're both kind of wondering, where where can we play him, basically? And 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 Cucho suggests that uh, taking Chalabra out and moving Cleverly back and, and playing Zinkenagel where Cleverly's currently playing. Personally, I think I would mind because I really, really like Will Hughes where he is at the moment, sort of controlling the tempo and, uh, you know, playing kind of the deepest lying role and starting moves off and so on and so forth. So if we're to assume that in in Cucho's view, he he doesn't play that role and it's cleverly, then yeah, I'm not wild about that. And equally, I really like cleverly being given the license, you know, his greatest asset arguably is his his stamina and his endurance and you know the way that allows him to affect the game in kind of all areas and so having that freedom to do that is is important as far as thinking I was concerned he's a little bit unfortunate that we've kind of managed to figure Shiska's kind of managed to figure out a way to use uh Saar, Pedro and Ken Semmer because he'd probably play in one of those roles sorry together that is he'd probably come into one of those roles much more naturally uh you know if those guys weren't in such devastating form at the moment so I think to be honest with you it's sometimes you're better not trying to force a resolution to something uh and, and this might be one of those instances yeah, I do feel like he would be. Um, I do feel like you could look at that. If I think when he's coming off the bench, sometimes I think maybe you could see him. If you're in a situation where you, you're trying to break the opposition down, you're trying to get back into a game, I think you could maybe look at that as a potential option. Um, you could start with that if you want to be more dominant. But I think as you're saying there, Tom, it would, it would feel on the bands of things it would feel kind of it feel harsh maybe to take cleverly out of that more advanced position. I think part of the, the joy we've been having from that front three comes from the uh, the instability that Tom cleverly causes the opposition build-up. So it might be it might be counterintuitive to take him out, but there could be opportunities where you feel like if you say we started for argument's sake with the same midfield three or perhaps Gosling for Chalber, if you took that player off, that, that Chalber or Gosling player, and you, you dropped cleverly deeper and you had Hughes next to him and then you were trying to have Zink and Nagel more centrals try and be a little bit more of a spark in attack, then yeah, I could see that being an option. Um, in terms of where he plays, there's still plenty of games left. Ismail Assar's played a lot of minutes. Um, you, you never know what's going to happen with injuries, but you think there should be an opportunity for him on one of them wide positions. And in my opinion, if he gets that opportunity, there's nothing to say that he he won't keep that place in a in a similar situation to back when where he kind of forces himself to be in that in that starting eleven because I do think he has got potential to to be a good starter for us. Um, I think I've actually seen quite a few people being quite critical of uh, Zinchenko on on Twitter, but which surprises me. I think he's he's done a decent job when he's been on the pitch and it's been very difficult because it's been a small small sample size for a majority of off the bench so 
But I think he, he has something to offer. And I think the more we see him, I think the, the better he'll get. And uh, hopefully there'll be opportunity for him. Yeah, absolutely agree with that one. Um, Sam Copson has got in touch and uh, he says, we're seeing a lot of Chalaba debates recently. Yes, Sam, we're having one right now. We're having a massive Chalaba <laughs> debate right now. Um, he says, what's our win rate with him, though? Um, with him, win with and without him, starting over the last two seasons, uh, he's thinking that um, we probably have a better success rate when he starts, but um, he could be wrong. Tom, I know that you've looked into this one for us, so uh, uh, can you can you tell us anything about <laughs> I didn't know the full question, so I've actually only get the when Jordan asked for it, I've actually only given him the, the data for this season. Oh, but, what yeah, a waste sorry. of space! Well, I think, <laughs> I think that question. I, I feel like that is more targeted towards this season anyway, though, really, because yeah, that is the the sample size we're looking at is this this year that when he's really been fully involved in the first team. So forty six percent win rate with him in the team, thirty five percent draw, nineteen percent loss. And then without him, 43% win and 43% loss, 14% draw. So, so what does that tell we us? Are, that's just what I was thinking. What does that tell what us? What does that I think, tell us? I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know. Jordan, you may feel differently. I always feel like these these kind of percentage with, without a player, actually kind of just rubbish, meaningless. Uh, can't read too much into them. It's little more than a coincidence a lot of the time, personally. You can look into it in certain situations. If you, I mean, look, it's relevant in certain situations. For example, I don't know, try to pull on. If you took, if you looked at Crystal Palace with and without Wilfred Zaha, you might see something where it's, yeah, you can say there's a clear difference there. And, it, you know, it's a big spark at the team. But with something like Chalibur, I think it's difficult to say. He's played a lot of games and we've had, when you're looking at points, we've had a relatively good season. Um, so naturally, you might see that, that skew. Um, I, I do agree with you for the most part that it can be difficult to read too much into those into those numbers, um, and yeah, there's, it, it's hard to say um, definitively how much of an impact he's had based on those. Um, but I think I think the the conversation we had just previously on Chaba kind of covers those feelings on him um, and his performance this season. All right, good stuff. Hopefully we answered that one for you there. Uh, another question from Jack uh, at uh, Jeton underscore. Uh, hi, mate. Question for the pod. Interested to know uh, if there are any limitations with the 4-3-3 setup and any teams or setups in particular that you think will struggle against this season with the 4-3-3. Um, Jordan, any ideas? Yeah, I mean, the 4-3-3 is a pretty balanced formation. I think generally it's, it's one of the safer ones. Um in terms of systems you come up against, you might struggle with. I, th- I think you'd be looking more at, at teams that try to break down the way we play in particular. If, if we had teams that are trying to try to nullify Will Hughes getting the ball, um, that might put us under some pressure or, or teams that maybe have that more advanced wing-back play or full-back play that requires our, our wingers to drop a little bit deeper and, and maybe isolate Jao Pedro. That might be a bit of a struggle for us, um, but I think it's gonna be difficult because we are we're a team at the top end of the table. I think a lot of teams are gonna respect us, and I think as time goes on and we get a little bit more comfortable in in, in the system, I think that will actually kind of work in our favour in the end. Um, but yeah, I think it's really just trying to stop those teams that will be looking to kind of be a little bit more daring and try and put pressure on Will Hughes or or push them wingers back. For me, what about you, Tom? I think that's the the big thing is the the wingers and also I was going to say Kiko Feminia. Anyone that it might not be a system thing, but from a tactical point of view, the the kind of option that he gives us down that side, you would say someone you know if you if someone comes 
comes to play us with with wing backs that are going to expect to do the same thing you know they are potentially going to have a big impact on how he's allowed to play uh, equally we you know we saw with Bristol City the gaps that they left uh, between their wing backs and, and centre halves for our forwards to exploit so maybe it's not such a a, a big issue I mean, there's a reason why 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, all those formations have been so popular and that's because it gives you that balance in, in all the areas of the pitch. It's, it's unlikely to get overloaded offensively. Um, that You've got that back four that can stay solid if needed and you've got that extra help in midfield. You're not going to get outnumbered there. Um, and sometimes you might have a, a numerical advantage in the four, in the midfield area if you're playing against a, a midfield two. And yeah, so you, you have that balance. So I think if you look about looking at matchups, opposition, it's it's more the kind of intricate details of the, of the tactics they deploy that, that might hurt you. But in terms of the actual base formation, you should be pretty good in, in most situations. Okay, thanks for all your questions. Uh, hopefully we answered them all for you. Uh, if you want to ask another question, just get in touch. We'll, uh, we'll answer them on the next show. We, honestly, we love answering questions. Um, because we want your engagement and we want you to feel like uh, we're trying to do this pod for you guys because at the end of the day, this pod is for the Watford fans and, and you know, if you've got a question, we'll see if we can answer it for you. Um, just before we uh, sort of wrap things up, I want a little chat about the, the game in question uh, that's just gone, Preston. And uh, Jordan, you, you mentioned um, on Twitter that uh, Tom Cleverley was practically everywhere again. And um, I wondered if you could go into that in a bit more detail for us. Yeah, I mean that that that's simply he was pretty much everywhere, wasn't he? He seemed to be every time every time there's any sort of build up from Preston, it felt like he was there getting his foot in, and then a few seconds later, he'd be other other side of the pitch and making it awkward again. And I think it's a it's something that's it's a position that he's been allowed to play in from that midfield three. Um, it gives him that freedom to to be aggressive, and he can he can play in those kind of more advanced areas. But it's something we've discussed previously as well. We we saw it. First, probably under Marco Silva, um, all those years ago, and then a little bit more recently, we've we've seen it again, and he plays in that kind of it's a hybrid like def- attacking defensive midfielder because he's occupying that forward space, but he's there to to make it difficult for the opposition to to build up from uh, from their defensive midfielder in that them deeper areas in the, in their own half. So he's uh, he's there to to create problems, and he, he does that extremely well. He's got a really good engine. He plays with a really good application desire, and he's just a menace. Um, he's a nightmare for a coach that's kind of looking up to 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 draw up a game plan. You have to you have to accommodate for that. Um, you have to be playing as a midfielder in, in an opposition team. You've got to be playing at, at a high tempo. You can't you can't take your time on the ball. You've got to be quick. And having those sorts of players, I mean, it, it's a game changer. Um, he's maybe not always the, the prettiest when he's on the ball, and, and sometimes he maybe could he could leave a little bit. He'd leave you wanting a little bit in possession when he's kind of in those attacking areas. You maybe hope he could throw the pass through. He's not as precise as you'd like, but it's what you get off the ball with him that makes him such a threat. And it has a big impact on the attack too, as we touched on earlier. Creating those, getting those recoveries in the opposition half and creating those mistakes from the opposition, it gives the opportunity to likes of the sharp players like Sema, Saar, Pedro. It gives you a chance to to create uh, opportunities and it puts you through on goal sometimes. So it, it's an attacking role in a, in a defensive manner, which is interesting, but it's something that it really suits him right now. And I think that's, that's why, t- uh, as Tom said as well earlier, you'd feel very conflicted you feel very di- you feel it'd be very difficult to take him out of the team on the on current form and yeah i think we found a good role for him mm. and he won over 75 percent of his defensive duels as well so yeah look he's he's good in them he's good in those and he he's not the most he's not the biggest he's not the most physical but he's determined that he'll he'll get there and he'll make himself difficult to get past and he'll be snapping at your heels and it's it's very difficult and it in a in a game where 
a team's looking to build and, and looking to play, then it, it's incredibly hard for them. And there are lots of uh, opponents we face in this season, especially the top half of the table, where I think having someone like Tom Cleverley in there will be vital um, to, to, to stopping that, that opponent. Right, OK, it's a, it's a quick turnaround with the next game on Friday evening. Uh, another one live on Sky, incidentally. Hopefully we'll be able to show the, the people from Sky and, and everyone else watching, the, te- the watching public that, uh, that were a little bit better than our, our previous efforts in front, of, in front of the worldwide audience. Derby County are the opponents. Uh, this time at the helm is Wayne Rooney, of course. Uh, what should we expect from this one, Tom? It's going to be a tough game. They're in, they're in really, you know, thoroughly decent form since he got the... The job on his own, he was obviously initially part of a kind of coaching quartet with uh, Liam Rossini, Shay Given and Justin Walker. But since he took over in his own right on November 26th, uh, you know, I think he's really been able to kind of stamp his authority on the team and, and their form has picked up dramatically since then. They'd be seventh if the, st- the season started then. Um we would actually be second ahead of Norwich on goal difference, I should say. Uh, you know, bit of sort of tactical flexibility seemed to be favouring a four three three, four two three one. Switched to a four four two in the last couple of games. Got a win against Wickham. They've they've brought in a lot of players as well to help kind of uh, implement what what he's what he's trying to do there. You know, they 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 evidently want to pass the football. Around a lot, I, I, I think the thing that they probably lack, looking at the, the data at least, is actually getting the ball into to dangerous areas. Sometimes uh, they're quite low down for passes into the final third, for example. But you know, you can't you can't argue with their run of form. One defeat in their last six. They they might be sort of lower mid table, but they are going to be you know a tough nut to crack. I think. I thought with getting the getting the ball into dangerous areas, I think they yeah you're right they do struggle with that a bit. But I thought um, I just looked at some of the highlights from last night. It seems that Martin Waghorn's delivery has been really good from set pieces um, and corners especially. So that's definitely something uh, we should be keeping an eye on. He's, uh, he's effectively retired himself, hasn't he, from, from football, which um, I'm very happy with because I remember the last game between Watford and Derby, uh, Wayne Rooney sent a free kick that only just went over the bar and uh, it was 1-0 in the end, wasn't it? So that, that could have been crucial had he scored it. But yeah, I'm quite happy for Wayne Rooney to uh, to, to void himself from from, it, from ever playing football again. But like you say, I mean, they're in a good bit of form and it's, it's not going to be an easy one. But I suppose, you know, the old saying is there's never an easy game in, in any league, is there? But um, the championship is, is especially one for that, isn't it? Not, but I'd, I'd definitely still much rather play Derby pre pre Wayne Rooney at the moment. So that's pre Wayne Rooney being the manager. Yes, I mean he's won the form <laughs> since becoming the manager. Yeah, I mean also pre Wayne Rooney the player too. But yeah, no, I think since he's become a coach, he's he's they've done extremely well and they've picked up points and they've he's got a they seem to have changed the mentality a little bit. They don't look as open as they were, and I think right now they're a bit of a different team to what we saw. I think they're going to be difficult to break down um, and they have still got they have still have got some threats so you can't take it lightly but when we fa- played play them the first time they were in a you know they were in turmoil and we didn't really do enough it wasn't a good performance that night I mean obviously we all remember the Joe Pedro goal but the, the the 89 minutes around that we struggled in a lot of areas so you'd hope that we'd maybe approach it with a better better um, a better idea in terms of how we're going to attack them and break them down and based off of the last two performances you'd feel confident that we can do that um, but yeah it's certainly not going to be easy His best goal so far this season do you think Joe Pedro? Yeah it's got to be hasn't it yeah I mean it was yeah brilliant brilliant touch turn and finish so it's hard to beat that um, I like that his I do enjoy the fact that his movements improved and he looks sharp in the box but in terms of an individual finish that was definitely up there it must be the best yeah 
Tom? Yeah, I think so. The only other entrant, probably, off the top of my head, is the uh, the Luton goal purely for its significance. Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> Okay, good stuff. Well, my thanks to Tom and Jordan for joining me once again. You can find those guys on Twitter just because they, they live on Twitter. They live on Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm barely on Twitter, but those guys, they live on Twitter. You can find them at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bodell. Uh, we'll be back again to chat after the Derby game. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, from Tom, Jordan and myself, it's goodbye for now. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.